Anything combat with Johnny K. But it's anything combat though. Welcome back, combatants to the Anything Combat Show, where we discuss everything mixed martial arts. I'm your host, Johnny K, and today we're joined by the owner of Gathero Training Center, Steve Hordinski, the third black belt in jiu-jitsu. How are you today, Stephen? Doing well, doing well. How about yourself? I'm good. Thank you for asking. How did you become the third? Okay. Yeah. Um, so my grandfather, Steve Hordinski, senior, we don't have middle names. So uh, I don't know where that started, but like dad, uh, grandpa was Steve senior. My dad was Steve or is uh, Steve junior. So Steve Hordinski junior, and I'm Steve Hordinski the third. So no middle names. Uh, my grandfather just called me meathead. That was just a uh, we call my other brother Bonehead, and then one Musclehead, and I was just Meathead for some reason. So, so yeah, no middle names other than the ones that were given to us for uh, acting the fool sometimes. <laughs> Stephen, how did you start Cathero Training Center, and where did you get inspired for the name? Okay, so, uh, yeah, I've been training Jiu-Jitsu about, uh, uh, well, 26 years now, and um, about the time... Uh, I got really heavy into competition as a blue belt. I kind of was already heading towards the direction that I knew I wanted to open up a school and uh, teach jiu-jitsu and, and kind of make jiu-jitsu my lifestyle, my living, uh, what I did on a day-in, day-out basis. So um, got out of the Navy, uh, moved back to Colorado, opened up uh, the um, uh, Helsing Gracie Colorado, Helsing Gracie Jiu-Jitsu Colorado, because that's who I was under. Uh, that was my first uh, uh, academy. And um, started getting real big out here in Colorado, started filling up that space, needed to look at something newer, and I kind of wanted to do something uh, with, with my family. And, and you know, I was kind of thinking, like, maybe I want to branch out, do my own thing. Um, changed my logo around a little bit. I love the griffin. The griffin is uh, from uh, Greek mythology, guardians of treasure and knowledge for the gods. And I just kind of felt like being an old-school jiu-jitsu guy, Knowing the jiu-jitsu that was kind of designed for fighting, uh, being coming up on that Gracie lineage under Helsin, I felt like I kind of needed to, you know, uh, keep things uh, kind of uh, within those standards of uh, street effectiveness and, you know, natural body movements, uh, timing over speed, leverage over strength, all those kind of Gracie principles. And, um, you know, a guy, one of my students, one of my oldest students who just got his black belt, uh, he was the one who came up with the griffin and the triangle. It was red, and I switched it to blue because Helsin used to tell me uh, water is purest, closest to the source. So I switched it to blue. I was looking for a name, pure jiu-jitsu. Uh, I looked at different languages, and when I saw Kathiro, um, uh, I was like, well, that looks really cool. Uh, I like what it means, and it all fit. Greek mythology, water is purest, closest to source. Uh, the balance of the mind, body, and spirit inside the triangle. So I was like, well, this will go. And then uh, to make sure I wasn't brutalizing the, uh, the name, I called a, a, up a Greek uh, or a priest out here, a Catholic priest who spoke uh, uh, Greek. So I was like, hey, check this out for me. And it was cool. I went over there and saw him, and he said, good luck on your endeavor, and been going ever since. So that's how we went with that logo and, and went with that name and kind of went that direction. So... Uh, since then, it's just been, you know, upholding those values. How many Gracies have you met, and what are they like? What's the family like? Oh, geez, I've met uh, a lot of them. Um, of course, Helson, uh, met Hickson, um, met Holker, Hoyler, 
uh, Horian. Pretty much, I think, you know, I, I met Hoyce a few times. I mean, he's been in my school, taught seminars. Um, I think I've met just about everyone from the Elio Gracie side, including I got to train with Grandmaster Elio Gracie um, when he was alive in his private dojo up in the mountains of Brazil. I was one of the few, uh, you know, Americans to get to do that back in that, that era, about uh, 2000. So that was a unique experience. But on the, I met, you know, Henzo a few times, um, a lot of the OGs. Uh, I trained with a lot of, like, guys that were, um, like, Solo, Sanji, got to learn from them. But, yeah, I've met quite a few, Hodger Gracie, you know. Learned a little bit from everybody I've, uh, I've encountered, though, you know. Why did you go to the Navy, and what can you tell us about your experience there? Uh, well, so uh, growing up, I was always kind of into martial arts. You know, I enjoyed um, uh, combat arts, uh, boxing, wrestling, uh, kempo, uh, just whatever I could do. I was uh, very happy to uh, get involved in that. And then, um, you know, looking for uh, something to do out of high school, I kind of already had my eyes set on, like, going into the military and, and uh, looking for, you know, uh, something um, that could, I could see the world, that I could travel, uh, maybe get into, you know, my ambitions were to go into the SEALs program. Um, did not ever get a chance to participate in that program, but uh, while I was in the Navy, um, ended up getting stationed uh, in uh, Hawaii, ultimately. And from there, that's when I met um, a, a Marine when we were out to sea, uh, stationed out there on an amphib. He did jiu-jitsu at the local jiu-jitsu school under a, a couple of uh, brothers that were under Helson, some purple belts. And so we started training on the ship. And uh, I decided that um, in that moment that I absolutely had to learn this because he was a rather small guy at the time, about 145 pounds. I was about 200, you know, muscle. thought, like, there's no way this dude's going to beat me up. And my buddy Phil Cardella wrapped me up so fast, choked me out, put me in, like, arm bars and weird things. I was like, I got to learn this. So from that point, I knew I needed to stay in Hawaii because at that, you know, I've been traveling, I've been competing, I've been seeing what kind of jiu-jitsu was out there, and I just kind of felt at the time, if you weren't going to live in Brazil, that Helsin had the best jiu-jitsu. And this was like traveling to Brazil. This was, you know, traveling to uh, uh, California, training with some people out there. This was, you know, going to Florida, all the different places where there is a lot of jiu-jitsu now. Going in those time periods, I was like, well, Helsin's the best. So I volunteered to go to Navy Dive School in uh, 1999, uh, Panama City, Florida. And uh, the whole reason I joined uh, or went to uh, volunteer for that program was a five-and-a-half-month five uh, long course, intense swimming, schoolwork, you know, just kind of intense, you know, kind of a, a, a kick in the balls to get through it. And... Um, I did that all so I could get stationed back in Hawaii so that I would have the opportunity to continue my training under Helsin and, uh, you know, get stationed out there as long as I needed to. So that was the, the purpose of uh, the Navy towards the end there. And then ultimately, 2005, got out, came back, been teaching jiu-jitsu ever since. Yeah. Okay, my, my next question for you is about a fighter that I'm actually getting on the show soon. I've been talking to him, uh, Basil. Can you yeah. please give us a account of his skill level? What insights can you give us about uh, his grappling? Okay. Yeah, so uh, uh, Basil Hafez, uh, we are from the same kind of lineage. Uh, 
we came up together or uh, in the same lineage um, with his coach. I came up to uh, the ranks with him, uh, uh, Ricky um, uh, Milgris out there in uh, Balance Studios. So Ricky uh, and uh, his brother and everybody, we used to meet up in uh, Ohio and we'd do the, the uh, uh, tournaments back then. The uh, uh, Gracie Worlds or with Arnold, with Arnold Schwarzenegger, we would do this uh, his fitness expo. So uh, it was a big tournament at the time. I would say, I mean, the Worlds was still in Brazil. Uh, Pan Am's had kind of started coming over into like uh, California and stuff. I think even Florida they did it in Hawaii once, but uh, really the Worlds was um, you know still in Brazil. So Helsin put together probably one of the biggest tournaments in the time at that time. We had like guys like Marcelo Garcia, uh, uh, Solo, uh, the, you know the Ribeiro brothers are out there. You know a lot of big names at the time. Uh, Daniel Marias, just a lot of good good matches, and um, Helsin had put that together. So Ricky, uh, his coach, and I came up together, and when um, I got introduced to Basil here. Uh, through a uh, Olympic wrestler that I was working with, uh, uh, Raymond Bunker, he's a uh, um, he's on the world team uh, uh, wrestling team USA, and uh, he put us in contact with each other, and we just started talking, training together, and we found out that we had a very similar style of jujitsu. I he told me who we trained with. I was like, we go way back, and so it made sense for us to start working. Um, probably one of the, uh, I would say that his grappling. Uh, you know, when we train, it's very technical. It's very hard to do anything. Uh, we kind of get stuck in these in these uh, transitions. So uh, I know I've been doing it for a long time. I've got some pretty pretty decent stuff, and uh, he does too. And it's just it's a super technical, tough fight. Like I can't get position on him sometimes. He can't get it on me. Uh, we we can't finish each other. So we get after it. But uh, what I like about his jujitsu is that. You know, because it comes from that um, uh, MMA style, that street effectiveness, heads down, great position. He's always uh, uh, very heavy with the pressure. He knows how to float. He knows how to get out of things. He can clear his knee line super well. I mean, top top level grappling to the point where, like, I mean, he's had, it's been a while, but, you know, he's had uh, uh, matches with some really, really good competitors uh, back in the day coming up. Like, uh, he, he went against Gordon and uh, Ryan. I think it was uh, to, uh, um, I don't know if there was a finish or if it was a draw or, or whatever happened with that one, but I know he had some really good matches there. But definitely uh, uh, he's put together a really good MMA package, meaning he's got knockout power. He obviously has a, hard, a strong chin. You saw what he did with uh, JDM. He took some blows, but he delivered some blows. And uh, going into that, we were looking at different strategies um, because, you know, his wrestling, wrestling with Justin Gaethje, uh, Kamar Usman, you know, being in that wrestling room with those guys when, you know, uh, we've got Grant Neal coming in there who's in Bellator, Archie, uh, he's in Bellator. So we have a, high, a lot of high level guys that we're able to test our ideas against. And, uh, when we went into that fight, we knew that the, you know, JDM had a, an advantage with the striking cause that's where his strong suit is, but, we knew that we had advantage on the grappling. So it was, you know, get on him, uh, start putting some weight on him, and, you know, just let him carry some, some weight from those body locks, from those takedowns, and really just try to nullify his power and wear him down a little bit. That previous fight that Basil had, 
it was up against a very difficult opponent. You just made reference to him. JDM's got that matchup with Kevin Holland. How do you see that matchup going? And who do you see winning? You know, um, you know, going into uh, uh, that fight, you know, definitely uh, Basil wasn't, you know, expected to do it as well as he did. I felt like, you know, from my eyes, it looked like we could, we were close, it looked close, looked like we uh, should have won that, in my opinion. But that's just, is that me rooting for my guy? No, I watched what happened. I watched a lot of control time, a lot of takedowns. Uh, I think what's going to happen this next fight is JDM's going to uh, knock this dude out, man. And then people are going to see how tough, I, you know, how how good, uh, you know, Basil is for what he was able to do to JDM, how he was able to push him. Um, you know, we did a, a, in about two and a half, three days, whatever. I think it was about two and a half, maybe it was three days. We did a 30-pound weight cut, you know. Um you know, we didn't even have a camp. We put we put everything together on the fly. We had like one or two days to kind of prepare for it. We had to cut weight, so we really couldn't game plan until the day of the fight. And, is thirty uh, pounds too much of a weight cut? Do you think? I think it is. You know, um, if you're not able to do it a certain way, like you know, a lot of times the guys are water loading. You know, there's a lot of a lot of different you know uh, techniques. We just did the uh, dry sauna and the the, the, the uh, Nevada heat, you know, and that desert heat, and um, it was a tough weight cut. It was. Uh, he'll tell you uh, when you, when you talk to him, uh, he'll tell you it's probably one of the toughest weight cuts he's ever done. And um, it being his coach, you know, I, I a little concerned. You know, I was like, hey, we're getting kind of into a, a, a place where, you know, we gotta you know pay attention and be careful, but. You know, we had uh, uh, Justin, uh, uh, Coach Deho. He's uh, uh, Basil's uh, uh, striking coach. So he had been there before. You know, he kind of knew. So he took uh, you know, took control of that situation. We made weight. And, you know, the rest is history. So I think we had a real good game plan going into that. What's your favorite no-gi submission? Oh, geez, man. You know, uh, I still – I love the arm triangle. I'm an arm triangle guy, but I'm a <laughs> – I like arm triangles. I like because it's top position. I like it as it leads to the back. I also, you know, I, I enjoy playing the legs. Uh, you know, a lot of different configurations with the legs, especially with everybody doing it right now. I'm putting a lot of heavy study into that uh, so I can prepare my guys for competition and, and just uh, um, that, you know, doing that kind of stuff. But I'm, I'm a big fan of, uh, of anything, uh, big muscles against uh, smaller muscles. So I like I do like the arm triangle because the pressure I can put. I also am a big fan of, uh, uh, you know, just leg triangles. I love the leg triangles, uh, anything with the legs because uh, you can get a lot more squeeze. And then uh, recently, um, been messing around with the uh, ninja choke quite a bit instead of uh, doing uh, guillotines. Steve, what is your coffee order? Oh, man, that's easy, bro. I, I like the uh, oat milk honey latte. <laughs> What is an oatmeal honey latte? What the hell is that? So it's a latte. They make it with oat milk and then you put honey in. So <laughs> try to try to you know not get too much of that dairy in me. And uh, I just like the way that uh, that oat milk tastes. So if it's not that, then it's just straight up coffee black. You know, um, you know, depends on depends on what I'm doing. If I'm doing a lot of uh, business work, it's gonna be the black coffee. Yeah, love that. Uh, 
Steve, who's a student in your class currently that's a BJJ player that you would say they might be in an age bracket between maybe like 18 and 24 that you can see really doing well in the UFC and MMA in general? Well, um, I have some uh, really, really um, some good potential with some guys that are, are coming up here. Um, I've got a, a purple belt. He's uh, probably uh, early mid twenties. Uh, uh, he's uh, he's a beast, Barrett. Um, getting really into the competition, really heavy in the legs. Bronson, uh, one of my, he's my wrestling coach. He's got about twenty some years of wrestling. He's a little bit older, but uh, he's getting into the comp competition. But the one I'm really, uh, I think, um, is going to do something. He's been doing a lot of ADCC. Is uh, uh, Caleb Crump. Uh, Caleb Crump's also a fighter. I was just cornering him in Albuquerque. We're uh, uh, fighting a Jackson Wink uh, uh, fighter there on um, uh, this uh, Friday, last Friday, and then we went to um, you know we went to a split decision there. Good fight, but this weekend he's already going out competing in uh, the Boston Open, and then he'll do ADCC trials, and I'll be out there for him. But he's a he's a purple belt, but um, you can't sleep on him. He's been submitting a lot of black belts when he goes out and does these competitions. I'd say he's probably one of my uh, best uh, um, no-gi competitors. Um, I have a black belt that, that's a little bit older that competes a lot on the IBJJF uh, circuit. Uh, he's a cop, uh, Jeff Hammond. He's out there in the uh, 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 Texas area, um, like the Tyler area, or uh, where is it at, uh, Lindell. Lindo, Texas. So I got a few, and I got a few other guys that are looking pretty good uh, for um, you know getting picked up by some bigger shows, getting picked up by uh, UFC, Bellator, stuff like that that I've been working with. What's your striking like, and why didn't you ever compete in MMA? Uh, you know, I would say that. Um, so I started out uh, doing striking. I started out with a little boxing. I started out. I uh, did a little Thai boxing, spent a majority of my time studying Kempo Karate uh, out here. It was more, uh, um, you know, sparring than, you know, katas and stuff like that. I would say that, you know, when I found jiu-jitsu, um, it, it, it fascinated me a little bit more than striking because the grappling, you could actually, you know, um, there's a lot of problem solving. There's a lot of, like, um, creativity there. Not to say there's not striking, uh, it's just you have a little bit more time to like kind of uh, strategize when you're you're putting pressure on someone when they're on the ground, so it kind of slows down a little bit. I liked how effective it was, uh, so I kind of got heavily into that um, after some you know struggle. I was like, man, I don't want to give up on my striking. I just never really saw that there was uh, my thing once I found jujitsu, especially back then, uh, 1997 when I was doing jujitsu. I would say that fighting probably. Uh, wasn't as te I mean definitely wasn't as technical as it is today so it didn't really interest me because it looked like a bunch of meatheads throwing down um, I stepped away from the MMA as a coach uh, in the uh, probably about like 2008 8-ish 9-ish and I uh, didn't pick it up until 2020 uh, with uh, Chris Camozzi and then the game had changed so then the, now the striking interests me the way to put it together with the uh, uh, cage work inside the clinch, working the fit-ins, um, 
Yeah, to answer your question, to me it was it was more interesting just to uh, grapple, and then um, I got really good at it. Now, seems like that the grappling that I do, fighters want to learn it, so uh, worked out better for me that way. Steve, do you know how to speak Portuguese? Man, all these years I lived with Helson, uh, Gracie, I never picked up any of that. <laughs> You're joking. No, I never did, man. I just picked up jujitsu. I was like, I was like, man, I should have. I, I started taking lessons and I never finished. I mean, if unless you're going to be speaking a language all the time, unless I was going to Brazil, I was like, man, I don't really need to do that. I'm just going to focus on jujitsu. Wish I would have. Still haven't done it. Probably not going to do it. If I'm going to learn any language, I'm probably going to have to learn. Uh, I'll have to learn Spanish well because that's uh, my. Uh, that's what my lady speaks, so. <laughs> I see, I see. Let me ask you about rubber guard. How often do you use this technique? And it's kind of a, a weird um, niche technique that I think Eddie Bravo started. What do you think about rubber guard and do you apply it in your uh, lessons and classes? Uh, no, uh, it's not something I want to put uh, into my game. Uh, I know that you know I have friends of mine that uh, are really good at it. Uh, some guys that are tenth planet, and they can make it work. It's just never really been my game. I uh, I don't think I've ever been really caught in it because I always keep my head nice and low. I don't I don't fight for that inside space. You know, head under the chin. Um, I, I haven't seen anybody really use it effective in MMA. But what I do like is it it reminds me a lot of the shoulder pin. Um, uh, guard or the or the uh, Williams Williams guard shoulder pin guard same thing I use that which has it resembles a lot of that um, setup for that mission control into that rubber guard so from that aspect I like that beginning of the part of the move but I do not like to pass it underneath the chin it's just uh, not my thing man I, I I feel like my knees are old man I've been doing this for a long time I'm 47 years old I don't like to put too much stress on the the knees in in weird ways you know what do your cheat chi fuck I fucked it. Let me repeat the question. <laughs> Thanks, bro. Um what do your cheat meals look like? Oh man, uh I don't really I never I don't really cheat, man. I don't really eat a lot. I mean I every now and then I guess I want something sweet, you know, but uh uh for the most part I stick with a pretty uh pretty pretty decent diet. Uh, not a whole lot of meats. Uh, if I do, I'll make sure the clean meats don't eat a lot of red meat. Um, you know, I, I'll tell you a funny story. I live with Helson and when I moved in, I was renting a room from him. And the first time I came home, I had come back from training and then, you know, of course, Helson was already there. I usually stuck around late, rolled. So I was coming back and I actually stopped by Taco Bell and I brought uh, Taco Bell home. And I'll tell you, when I walked in the house, Helson looked at me and he said, what the hell is this? And I'm like, food? He's like, no, Steve. You know, he grabs the Taco Bell. You're not going to eat this crap. You're a competitor. You're going to eat like a competitor. So he throws it in the trash. And then he, he, he started showing me a little bit about food. So living with Helson, I learned a lot about the Gracie diet. And uh, that first inter encounter with bringing something like Taco Bell into his house, it's like I, I committed a, a mortal sin. So I never did it again. And I just kind of got used to eating that way. So... I wouldn't say I have too many cheat meals, but I'll, I'll eat some chocolate every now and then, and you know I'll uh, 
you know, engage, indulge in some sweet, sweet tooth, and you know, I'll have a steak every now and then. But I eat a, eat pretty clean because, you know, just uh, you know, mostly age two health stuff. You know, want to want to stay on the mat as long as I can, keep that inflammation down. I want to ask you about their diet. What was their diet constructed of, and what is that like yogurt stuff that they eat? They eat these like weird like nut uh, yogurt bowls. Do you even know anything about that? Oh, you're talking about the uh, acai bowls. Yeah, what is that shit? Well, it's a, it's a berry that grows in the Amazon. It's supposed to be like a, a really good, uh, like a super fruit, you know, uh, pretty good. The first time I had it was in Brazil with uh, Helson. Uh, we would go training at the uh, his school that he started. He grew up in uh, that Hoyler was running at the uh, at the time. I think he probably still is. And you know, afterwards we'd all go down to that place. We get a, a, a acai bowl, and uh, they put some granola, bananas pretty good after training but uh yeah the gracie diet um it's a lot of like uh fruits fruits and vegetables uh they're what it is is how they uh, put the different food groups together so anything acidic you will uh not mix it with any other fruit bananas melons things like that you can mix them so it's how they put the foods together what they eat is kind of the science so if you're if you're like um the idea is to to uh, my understanding is, you know, to make it your digestion very efficient for training, so you're not wasting energy. Uh, you know, like uh, uh, the way we would did it is we'd eat a heavy meal at night, but throughout the day, you know, you would have a, a banana, apple juice, cream cheese, a bunch of bananas. Like Helson would make the shake that'd be like a breakfast. Then you'd come back, you'd eat like uh, maybe some bread with some uh, goat cheese, um, and then you know maybe maybe some fruit whatever or juice and then uh you know little meals in between and then you know little snacks and they have everything kind of broken down on how you want to eat so the digestion is the most efficient so uh they actually that you know what it's told to me is the gracies are more you know their diet is in some ways more important than their martial art so uh horian's got a really a lot of information on that if anybody wanted to plug into that horian gracie he wrote that Gracie Diet book, so definitely recommend it for athletes. What's a piece of advice that you got from a mentor that has really stuck with you, and can you share it for us? Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Um, first one that comes to mind is a, a, a friend of mine, uh, Chuck Cordova. He's a, a master in uh, another martial art. He's like way, 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 way up there. Did full contact kickboxing, and uh, he was a uh, police officer, firefighter. He's won some life-saving awards. Just a really upstanding human being. And uh, someone, when I started teaching jujitsu, um, he was someone that's kind of, I, I linked up with, taught a seminar at his place. We became friends. He became a student of mine. We're sitting down one day. He told me, he said, you know, what I've learned, Steve, is that uh, nobody will remember you for the fighter you were. They're going to remember you as the person you are today. So how you treat people is how they're always going to remember you. So, you know, uh, when he told that to me, I was like, that's a really good piece of advice. So I always try to, you know, treat people a certain way so that I leave a good impression on them, um, you know, when I leave. Um, that, he, that he gave me some really good advice with that. Um, you know, the other advice that I got is just, uh, you know, from my grandfather. Um, he always kind of told me that, he said, you know, uh, when you, you, you're going to, you know, live up to your word. If you shake someone's hand, you honor your word. 
he said a man only has his word. So if I shook your hand or something like that, it meant that we were going to do it and it was going to be, you wouldn't have to, you know, have another conversation about it. Um, in that same sense, he told me about the three R's in life. And he said, you know, respect, you know, you got to give respect to get respect. Uh, he said, be responsible. Uh, you know, responsibility was the, the second one. And the third was learn how to relax. And uh, I've been trying to balance my life on those three R's uh, pretty much since I was a kid, since he told me them. So served me pretty well. Um, that's probably some of the best advice for there for jujitsu. Put one foot in front of the other. Day by day, don't quit. You know, enjoy the journey. Your grandfather seemed like a beast. What did he do? Uh, he was an engineer. Uh, he was an engineer. He was a football player uh, for CU. He was uh, drafted by a professional football team back uh, when they were playing in pigskin helmets. So uh, he was he was he was, uh, he was a pretty pretty savage dude and uh, did some boxing and stuff like that too. So you know, a pretty tough man. Um, he became an engineer, a uh, mechanical engineer, and he was like worked w way up in that engineering. Um, different boards, different, you know, societies, uh, for engineering. And, uh, he was also, um, uh, with the Freemasons. So he was uh, up there with that. So he, he, he tried to teach me a lot of those like, uh, balancing ideas, you know, from, you know, what he knew and, uh, you know, you know, balancing the work, balancing the family life, balancing the relaxation, your time. So he was always trying to get us to, you know, uh, do chores, work hard, and uh, he would make us relax every day that we stayed with him. Perfect. That's all we have time for, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much, Steve, for coming on the podcast. Is there any final remarks you want to say to the fans at home as we wrap up the podcast? Yeah, um, listen, you know, jiu-jitsu is going to be full of ups and downs. You know, you're going to want to quit. You're going to cry. You're going to get injured. Uh, you might even have already. Um might have to go get surgeries, but I'm telling you that, you know, the time that I've spent on the mat with the people that I've spent it with, um, you build relationships with people that just, it'll last through the times. Uh, you can, you cannot see them for a few years. You never miss a beat. There's something about training and putting that hard work in on the mat with your, 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 uh, friends that you develop there. And so I'll tell you, man, it's worth it. Every bit of it, uh, stick with it. You'll get your black belt. And after that, stick with it because it's just, it's a lifestyle. You know, you're going to make so many friends doing it. And when you look back on it, you can say you lived a full life. I, I will be a testament to that with how much joy I've had in my life through jujitsu. I mean, I met you, you know, from jujitsu. So like all the way across the other side of the world. So definitely stick with it. Don't quit. It's worth it. Follow Steve on Instagram, link in the description, and follow Anything Combat on Spotify. See you guys next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>